Hey, Blenders, on this week's show, DC has an actual plan. We review Knock at the Cabin and M. Night Shyamalan joins the show. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, Hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill. Hello, Blenders, and welcome. Welcome to episode number 247 of Real Blend, a podcast that wonders, Jake, do you know M. Night Shyamalan's favorite Chris Hemsworth movie? Oh, God, I can't oh. do this. I just woke up. He from a has nap. a he has a terrific. I mean, it's a great Chris Hemsworth film. It's Game M. Night Shyamalan's favorite. Well, I want Jake to tell me. Oh, is it is it um is it Thor Ragnarok at the cabin? Mm, it's even it's better. It's actually really That's clever. <laughs> it's really way more clever than what I have. It's a, a, a knock at the cabin in the woods. Those are both you know, good. They're both great. Yeah. They're both Sean's, great. Sean's is like a great example of the movie title mashup, though. Like it's a real movie title mashup, which I right. I, you know what? And I'm so damn proud of mine. And it wasn't the right answer. Yours is really good. It was <laughs> great. Gabe edit that and just uh, go with that. <laughs> go with that, Jake's. I'll put, Jake's. I'll put Jake's head over your body. Like, oh, yeah, that was mine. <laughs> See, yeah. this is why you should be watching the YouTube video, people. The YouTube yeah. video. Well, we'll get to that plug. The, in the VFX. Heart, in a, Heartbeat. Uh, hey, uh, this hey Sean, did you oh, hear about? Oh, yes, Jesus Christ! Yes. M. Night Shyamalan's uh, favorite <laughs> Ace of Base song. Oh, I don't know. Oh, I saw the signs. Yeah, 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 oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. <laughs> well done. <laughs> I love me some Ace of Base. Yeah, me too. I love it's I saw the signs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, on this week, uh, DC I, I miss Studios. those. As much as I hate them, I miss that in the show. DC Studios has actual plans that we're going to react to. Uh, we review Knock at the Cabin and M Night Shyamalan returns to the show to discuss his new film uh, knock at the cabin which we are going to review uh in full detail later on in the show let me introduce the boys well first off i'm sean o'connell the managing editor here at cinema blend uh and one of the co-hosts of the Roblin podcast joined as always excuse me by jake hamilton of fox 32 in chicago who is dancing do i saw the signs i'm gonna imagine right yeah now. it's in my it's in my head now kevin made a huge mistake <laughs> great song i, I used to have the cassette we'll i had the cassette tape when i was a kid to pay oh. money for that. Tom Hanks taught me that Playtone does not afford uh, any of the songs that you sing on, on Roveland. Uh, and Kevin McCarthy of Fox 5 in Washington, D.C. Hi, Kev. How are you? Hi, Sean. Good to see you. I guess I'll be seeing you in a couple of weeks and we'll explain why shortly. Oh, yes, we will. Let's I'll yeah. jump to that right now before I get to the housekeeping bits. Um, uh, we, I had a book signing in Charlotte this past weekend. And How'd it go? I, well, phenomenal. And what was great about it is that legitimately half of the people who showed up were real blend listeners as well too like i can't That's tell so you how cool. many people you said some my, videos mom, of... my mom was there your mom was there uh she what? wore multiple you kept masks. rotating in the line yeah with wigs yeah. <laughs> i was like this book is signed already miss mccarthy please um i i can't tell you how many people because I, I we did a q a thingamabob with a friend of mine colleen odegaard who hosted it for me and then we um did the signing and i sat at a table and People came up and legitimately half the people who came up were like, can't tell you how much I love Real Blend. Listen to it every week. Um, People came in from like Knoxville, Tennessee, Greenville, South Carolina, and they were all uh, listeners of the show. So I want to thank everybody 
who came out and supported um, not just the book signing, but who listens to the show and, and supports us on a weekly basis. And then um, I want to pimp the fact that I'm coming to D.C. and I'm going to be hanging out with Kev and me and Kev are going to be doing something at the AMC theaters uh, February 11th at the AMC Tyson's Corner. So if yep. you want more details on that, go to my website. I have a website now. It's called Sean O'Connell Books and it has information on the signings. So. And it's a great theater. And this is not a plug at all. I just love that mall because I live closer to it. But there's a great restaurant in there that I recommend people to go to before or after called Coastal Flats, which I took Sean to uh, when before we saw a movie together that you came up here Black for Panther. was that Black Panther. Black Panther yeah. Wakanda forever. Yes. And, and the food uh, was and, outstanding. Yeah. Not a plug. I just, no. uh, I just love that. But Sean's been to that. We've been to that mall before together. Uh, great theater. They have really good IMAX and, and Dolby theaters there. I don't know what theater number we're going to be in, but yeah, come on out. Probably a small be, one. <laughs> no, I'm excited. We're going to do a Q and a sign some books and uh, yeah, it's gonna be a good time, man. And uh, April with Chicago uh, and Jakey is going to be there. And that may right. become a real blend hangout. We're going to we're going to discuss if Gabe can make it up there. So we'll see Um, if you're watching us on YouTube. But Sean, you're 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 paying me, but not Jake, right? Correct. Thousands of dollars. (laughs) A lot of (laughs) so much money. Um, Thank you for watching us on YouTube. Go to uh, go down, hit subscribe, turn on your notifications. We're at YouTube.com backslash real blend podcast. In addition, we have a premium episode that gives you even more of us on Mondays and a newsletter twice a week. And nope. an ad-free version of the show. Not Ooh, twice a week. Uh, Once every other week. Twice every a month. other week. There we yes, go. Yes, thank you. Twice a month. God, I couldn't do twice a week. I, <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, two uh, times a month. It's a bit of a stretch. You're like, I don't um, know what to say, folks. I'm, I'm out of ideas. If you want to sign up for premium, uh, head to the description where you are listening right now. All right. We have a great interview. Um, because of my book signing, I was not able to attend the interview. So let me just quick turn it over to you guys. Jakey, tell us about uh, sitting down with M. Night Shyamalan. Yet again, and this time in person, because last time he was on was virtual. Well, one of the cool there's a cool little thing that happens. And Sean, you've been a part of it as well. You weren't a part of it this day. Um, And it's that night has been on the show uh, before and and we've all individually spoken with him before. But there's this moment that happens. and, And Kevin, you saw it. And it's that moment where after we individually get someone for TV and they know who we are and they know the kind of questions we ask. When we come back around in the afternoon to get him for real blend. And there's that moment where the, the talent goes, oh, this makes sense that <laughs> you guys would be together on a show. And, and Kevin, correct me if I'm wrong. We, we got that. Oh, when yeah. we, well, we go, we walk, he goes, OK, all right. All right. You, oh, you know, and, and almost in the Tom Hanks way or or um, uh, the, the dude from uh, from X Men that and when we were I all London together, yeah, Ty shared him when we walked in, and he was like, "Oh, this makes a lot of sense." And yeah. I, I, I honestly do take that as the ultimate compliment. And Kevin, I don't know about you, to me, that's the absolute best way to sit down and start an interview in person. Yeah, and also shout out to Glass Engine who um, who recorded the interview. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they did a really cool job. Nolan. Uh, yeah, the, his last name is Nolan. He's awesome. And he did uh, he did our Jordan Peele interview as well. And he, they always set us up with these really cool mics. And uh, but uh, yeah, Jake and I sat down. He had a great time. He wanted to extend the interview. And uh, there's some really cool bits of information in here um, and some non answers, which actually were funny as well. So <laughs> uh, this is a spoiler free conversation. I want to let everybody yeah. know as well, too. So you can listen to it prior to going into Uh, Knock at the Cabin, and we're going to discuss Knock at the Cabin in a little bit. So um, without further ado, this is uh, the Real Blend interview. Following up once again with a friend of the show, 
M. Night Shyamalan talking knock at the cabin. All right, welcome back to Real Blend, my friend. Good to see you. Great to see you guys. Awesome. You guys look sharp. Well, we knew you were going to be here. Yes. Yeah, I'm here. usually the suit guy. I direct in suits and everything, so I've, I went cash this time. Now you're making me feel bad. I do want to ask you, because you mentioned something just now, because Christopher Nolan directs in suits. I think Kubrick did as well. Like, like, Was that a choice you made early on? Yeah, you know, I've, I've been doing it for a while, and all servant, and um, last- Is it old? Not old. Oh. <laughs> I'm picturing you on the beach no, in a, not, in a, like not a three old. piece. Not old. Not old. Uh, yeah, that one. That was you know, it's like 95 degrees on the beach. Uh, no, but it's just for me. Even you know, it means approaching cinema with respect, and that you're coming. It's it's something that I have to earn to be there uh, on that stage, and it makes the I, I believe it makes the crew and the cast. You know, reminds them that like someone you know believes that this is, you know, we're, we're, it's privileged to do this. Yeah, that's, yeah. I think that's why we... That's why we were yeah. star interviews, because we, <laughs> yeah. we're, we're privileged to be here with you guys. So, yeah. Uh, we're going to start at the beginning, and this is a bit of a nerdy question, but you start with an old-school Universal logo. And Kevin and I were sitting next to it. As soon as it popped up, we went, ah. like, And it's just it was so great to see. I have so many memories of, like, those old-school, you know? And I'm just sort of curious, like, the decision behind that. And then do you have to go to Universal and say, hey, like, let me look at all your different logos and pick which one I want to use? Yeah, it was one of those that I kept on saying, wow, this is, you know, we such an old school movie. Everything about it, the lenses are old, the way I'm shooting it is this old school way. The score has a kind of, you know, um, uh, Herdiz did this kind of Bernard Herrmann-esque kind of score. And so when the logo first came up, the modern logo, I was like, gosh, this, is, this doesn't, it's not actually setting the tone. And then the first thought was, can we change it, like change it a little bit? And then we kind of looked up on the internet old universal logos, and then I found one, and I was like, that one. Can we get permission to use that one? And then we had to go through legal and change it because it was MCA back then. Oh, so interesting. It, yeah. oh, so it's altered. Yeah, because oh, I put Comcast cool. instead of MCA. Oh, wow. You know? Do you remember what era it was? Because my mind went to look like the Jurassic Park yeah. um, before, like in the early 90s. Oh, no, no. It was before oh, that. Oh, predated. Was, yeah. Justin Lin just do this for the, the ninth Fast and Furious. I think he used an older Universal logo, too, I it was think. Yeah. the 60s, I think. Oh, really? Think you got you went that far back. The 70s. It was a period of time because then they changed it yeah. again somewhere in there. So. It was in that, that, I think, at the end of the 60s and early 70s. But don't don't sure. me on that. Oh, that's awesome. I want to nerd out about camera choices because I know we talked a little bit in TV about this. But this show is designed for people to learn about filmmaking and why directors make certain choices on aspect ratios. We, we talked to you about aspect ratios when we had you on for old and the different ratios you've used, the 239, the 185. Yeah. Um, but the dolly zoom is really one of the most iconic, probably my favorite shot in history of cinema. And the way it's used here is very unnerving, especially that shot of just the woods. Yeah. Um, I was wondering if you can just talk about the process of getting that shot, what you want from that shot, but also do you have a favorite use of it? I know people, you go to Vertigo, you can go to Jaws. Yeah. Um, I'm just curious what your favorite is and kind of what your choice was and how you kind of operated those there. Because they're, they're to me, they're like characters in the movie almost. Yeah, I mean, it's a very um, surreal camera technique. It's not naturalistic. Obviously, the Jaws one is the the iconic one for me yeah. that that you that I think of, but you know, there's been so so many great uses of it. Um, you haven't seen it yet, but the last episode of Servant, uh, I I do like a a big, a big one in Hell there. So, yes. Uh, Hell so, yes! Yeah, so but, when you get to see that episode, episode nine, when Apple uh, won't send the, the yeah. last episode, <laughs> is it as simple right. as zooming and pulling back? Is that yeah, well, it, well, I you know I have we we call it two different versions. One's a Zolly, which is your your. You're uh, zooming, zooming in and pulling back, and then a doom, where <laughs> you're dollying in and zooming out. So it's like I have to make up names for it. It doesn't have <laughs> doom sounds the cool. doom. Sounds awesome. yeah, yeah, yeah. So we tell, let's, I go look. Let me see the doom version, and then we'll do the doom version. And you just pick uh, which one emotionally is. You know, you really have to analyze 
what the difference is between a Zali and a Doom emotionally. So what know? are you using in that in that tree shot? Gosh, I you know I did them both on on both. Now you're gonna catch me. Um, I think it was a Zali at the end of the day to to um, that you're fixating on something, but your slot your 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 grasp of it is sliding as you're as you're trying to fixate on that. That's what it feels like. Yeah. It feels like it's slipping away, and yeah. I, I was I love that shot, and I want to tell people right now: pay attention to the shots in this film, like mm-hmm. this, like the focus, space, like, like framing, the frame is... left and right. Rupert will be down in the bottom right of the frame, and we'll, I mean, it's really cool. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, these are even uh, totally nerding out for a second. No, there's, there's there's a, this is the podcast <laughs> for that, man. You have to do it. I'm all. telling you, you're you're in the right place. I don't know if you remember that, like in the the when they were the second, there's like how can I say it's like giving stuff away. There, there's the kind of a, a second plague or something yes. that they're doing, and the 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 guys are starting to have opposite feelings about it. Yeah. And it, it there's a there's a, a shot where it goes from Ben to Jonathan. Yes, I saw. Yeah, and the focal yeah. plane is locked, so it's not we're not racking. It's not a to, rack focus. Oh. It's just locked, and then it, when he comes into focus, he comes into focus. So oh, the actor is the one pushing it. But essentially. No, the, the dolly just says, let's say the focal plane is. You know, of two feet away, it's always just two feet away, and and wow. until we stop two feet from Jonathan, and so what does that do? It means for a, a part of the dolly, no one's in focus, oh no one's God. in focus, and that kind of sense of like what it is, or at least in our head, and Jaron and 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 my head was we're switching from one point of view to another point of view, mm. and when you're doing that, it's not a casual thing. It's like ripping, you know, the language of the film mm. slowly going. It's it's you know Andrew's point of view and now it's Eric's point of view. So See, the narrative little decisions, thing. yeah, it's amazing. That's incredible. Um, you know, I think one of the biggest shocks I remember in recent memory in theaters is when we learned that Split and Unbreakable were in the same <laughs> universe. And I know, like you know, Tarantino, all of his movies exist sort of in that same universe. Have you ever considered if any of your other films, whether they affect each other or not? exist in like a Shyamalan verse like is there is there is there sort of like a you know I I I wish I had been smart enough to think of that I I you know I guess you know now I wish I told my 20 some year old self hey dude you're gonna get to do this for a while so maybe if you think of it this way you might be able to connect them all but at that point uh, I was like, I don't, I, if they let me direct one more movie, I'll, I'll be happy, you know? And so it was never, never a feeling like I was going to get to do this again. Well, we had a theory of like, what if the happening is someone saying no? One of the plagues. <laughs> the plague. So that's how we're starting to see, we're building it for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we're got doing, you. We're doing, we're doing your go. work for it's you. It's so close. Uh, yeah. For whatever reason, I always have the instinct to work the visit in. I don't know why I always have that instinct, you know, even in glass, I was like, well, maybe I, and I, this one, I almost did make a reference oh. to two old people that escaped from that mental institution. No! I, like, I had it in the Dude. script and then I took it out. I was like, ah, it's not. That was, that would be retrospectively doing it rather than mm. organically I had thought about doing it. That's incredible. Um, so this is, my, this is a question that I, I, I don't know if you'll answer, but I kind of hoping you will because the movie's all about making a choice, a very horrible choice. And obviously the idea of doing that, if you had to sacrifice one of your films, yes, like a film of yours that you would yes. like, and that was like somehow to like, that was that needed to be done to save the world. What yes. is a film you would have to give up from your and filmography? And by, by that insinuation, you're insinuating one that that I would least like to keep. Is that what you're yes. thinking? And, and also, I do yes. want to clarify: we're not saying that the movie is bad. We're yeah, not saying yeah. it. I'm yeah. just saying, but if you had to give one up, it, did, it didn't exist in your filmography. Which one? Well, I would never tell you. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but I, I, I did just to make it even worse for you guys. I did have one that popped into my head. So. 
come on. See? Wait, and, 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 and now you if ask, we guess you it, ask we look a, bad. You ask a gotcha question, I'm going to give you a gotcha. <laughs> I'll give you a gotcha back. I just wanted to know, I wanted to know the answer to that genuinely. Well, let's see. One day if we're doing shots one day and you get me to do enough shots, then Deal. I'll be like. This is the second time you've referenced getting drinks today, so I'm really thinking we do really need to go out and get drinks. I'm tired. We need to do this. Dude, yes. There is a small. I got to dress up, though, if we're going to go out. Oh, we'll dress up. Yeah, we'll do suits. There's a small, really, a small detail of this film that I found to be one of the most unsettling and it's the way you have planes fall because if you were to if I were to read this sort of on the page I feel like I would envision them nose diving into the ground yeah but maybe this is just disturbing for us because of how much we fly every weekend Mm. but this image of like the plane tumbling it's like helpless it like gave me like it it really almost kind of gave me anxiety because just as much you know as much as we're flying in about an hour yeah I, can you talk about the detail of like making sure, like making the plane not nosedive into the ground, yeah. but like sort of just aimlessly toss and tumble? Mm. Yeah, it creates a kind of a sense of we don't know why it's falling. So it creates yet another mystery in the way that it's falling. You know, and and, and it, it reminds me a tiny bit of of the way the guys fell in the happening off the off the tops of the buildings. Yes. Oh, I know? love that shot. Just kind of yeah. stepping, you know. Yeah. And I remember directing those. Those uh, stuntmen and being like, no, no, no intention, no intention. Don't, no, don't. You're not trying to do this. And so we, I remember having that in that same way. The the planes. I don't want you to know why. You know, they're not in a panic. They're just stop stopping. Mm. My mind just went to what was happening inside those yeah, planes at exactly. that time. It's, and the, yeah. it's such a it's such a small detail. I don't mean to make a big thing of yeah. it, but it's just it was haunting. It's the unknown. Yeah. It's in, in some way evoking the unknown in every decision that you make. Um, you know, the knocks are even, you know, seven even knocks. So there's no emotion in them so that you're, you can't read anything. There's no urgency. There's no lack of urgency. Does Dave do the knocks for real? No. Well, it it was ultimately a sound effect that we, we spent forever trying okay. to find the right, the right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And the results are like, there's one scene where the planes are falling. It's like the one where you're going left to right. And we just see multiple ones like that. That's, that shot yeah. scene was amazing. You know, we talk about the R rating, which is interesting because I talked to you for serving. Yeah. You're talking about the use of the R rating and how the violence was supposed to juxtapose kind of what's going on in the film and the story. And I think this is your second R rated film. Yeah. And one of the things I loved about what you did was you, you still cut away from things. Yeah. Um, and I always go back to seven because I think what Fincher does on seven, where he, you don't actually, Actually, see the murders. You just see the aftermath, or you hear about it. It's actually yeah. more gruesome and more brutal that way. Yeah. But how do you decide? Like, is that a choice you make? You go, all right, I'm going to cut away or cut outside the cabin because it'll be more brutal for the person to think about yeah. what's going on. But you have the R rating, so you could have gone like super gross with yeah. that stuff. But you I mean, didn't. Just so. not, yeah, that's not my my style when I think about things. But I think you know, we either I, I'm I'm very sensitive as an audience member to um, kind of like torture porn you know the yes. idea of like you're taking something that is just inherently heinous and making me watch it and that i don't think is great storytelling i think you're just kind of torturing me and See, we had this yeah. discussion yeah. recently yeah. about that, he loved infinity pool and i didn't I did because of that exact oh, thing seen yeah. It. Yeah, yeah so that's not great storytelling you're just showing a person getting raped or something you know something that's not uh, and then there's the other thing is there's a moment where we just shut off where we it becomes like uh, as a human being, we just shut shut off from, and I need you to stay open in the story. I need you emotionally to be with me. I, I need to access your emotions. So it's a fine line of of how much to 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 show those things, and it's a calibration process. And I mean, literally, like we were, uh, it, it, it's like you know, if uh, there's a moment where one of the characters is getting hit by 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 uh, these weapons, and 
the difference between four more hits mm. or three more hits and then two more hits and one more hit than we have in the movie was how we literally did it. It was like, wow, there's just too many, you know, because there's a visceralness to watching this person getting pummeled. And then you go, come back one, come back. Literally, and I screen it again with two more and then one more. And, oh, it, was, wow. and it has that much impact on your feeling of the movie. Yeah. Just this one little moment that we're talking about. And also, as we were talking earlier, the sound. Yeah, sound is so unbelievably important, and and yes. you were saying that sound is usually what gets you an R rating. Yeah, for me, most of the time, the R rating has been because of the intensity of the scene with the, with the sound effects in it. And they the, don't like red blood either. <laughs> yes, that's yeah, but Quentin, that's never yeah. the thing with me. But the sound effects, they your imagination, you can't get away from the the this, the, the sound of the weapon hitting the body or whatever it is. So. Um, so this is the one time I didn't have to take the sound effects down. Yes. <laughs> uh, Kristen is phenomenal in this. Yeah, she and, is amazing. I mean, th- and th- that's the kind of performance that, like, if it's not good, the movie doesn't work. Yes. Like, the movie yes. is ruined. You clearly have such a great, almost like, I, I compare it to, like, Spielberg. Spielberg is known for how great he works with kids, as do you. You look at Signs and all the way back to Sixth Sense. So I want to kind of go back to the beginning. What did you learn in your interaction with Haley Joel Osment that maybe you remember and maybe still use today when working with a young actor like Kristen? You know, it's, it's, you know, I tend now to tack towards two type of actors, kind of uh, those that are beginning and that the children will fall into that, that, that group. And then the, the kind of hyper trained theater actors that whose craft is so strong that they can get back to the beginning mm-hmm. again. So, you know, so on both groups, there's an innocence or an openness I'm looking to, uh, to get to your, the, the, the true emotions inside you, as opposed to sometimes there are there are most a lot of actors have been trained to personality act essentially you know make, make me laugh make me you know emote in a way but it, they're, they're not it's a generalization of why the emotion is coming up in them or for example like I will catch an actor who and say you're getting emotional but I can tell you're not coming from where the character is coming from so I'm watching you cry but something in us we're saying something doesn't feel right that's sad you're sad but not but why she's sad. Right. And, and I go, you're cheating me and I can see it, you know? Wow. And, and so, so when you think of the thing, oh, I'm thinking about my dog who died and then you make yourself cry in the scene, I can see you're talking, really? you're not crying from the right place, you know? Because each, each character has a way they cry and why they cry. You it's, see that in other movies when people are doing that? I mean, for me, you know, it's, it's, it's more, it feels like generalization, you know, mm. um, when, I, when I hear it. This is a representation of the character being sad. And so you can let go and because it normally that will be consistent through the whole piece. And you can try to let go of that. But what I'm searching for is it's something very coming from the character. Who is the character? It's tethered to a spot and they feel like lock that elbow in. And then they have you have these options of emotion. Mm. You don't have this one because mm. that's not that would moving the elbow, the pivot point. So even though that would be a great sadness, you can't, that character can't go there. So those, when you do it perfectly, you can see this, that, that, that pivot point. And so that's a discipline thing. Even if your personality goes, I, I, I know I could kill it if I go there. <laughs> Don't do it. And a that's child, Oscar clip. Yeah, exactly. And the child is inherently locked there in that. So I'm kind of showing them craft, you know, I'm teaching them craft of, and by craft, I mean, how to empathize with with a character. So like Abigail, when she was five, all, literally all I had to do was say, tell her the situation. And she was, you know, tearing and, and being connected. You know, like I'd say, you know, your dad is sad because this, he thinks this is the last time you're going to have dinner together. And then she goes like, you know, he does, and I'm like, roll cameras, please. <laughs> and then Mel and Joaquin look over at me, and I'm like, your turn. Yeah. 
<laughs> Do something with this, man. <laughs> I want to talk to you about trailers because trailers to me are very interesting. And I noticed a couple differences in the trailers that I saw in the film. There's a courtroom scene in a trailer that, that, I, that I didn't end up seeing in the film unless I'm wrong on that. Courtroom scene. Uh, like, remember there was like a, a courtroom scene. Like Jonathan yeah. was in a courtroom or something. Like uh, It's in the second oh, trailer. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, there's a church. He's in a church. Church. Okay, okay. All right. Yeah, he's well, in a church. And yeah. so that, but that didn't end up in the actual yeah, film. And then also when the plane's falling behind Ben, yeah, yes. I think you added clouds in, or like a storm in the yes, movie and it's yes. not in the trailer. Yes. And then I even think uh, there was other um, uh, shots as well. How do you decide yes. what goes into your trailers and right. like why like why will we see shots of things that you don't end up using? Is it purposeful? No, no. It's it's very organic. It's kind of the 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 trailer guys, the the marketing team is using the current cut that I have. So we're so where I am when they put trailer one out, that's where my cut is. At least for me, that's the way it is. And then I and I fully intend to have it in the movie. You know, so when they cut the trailer and trailer one goes out, you know, that church scene was in the movie, you know, and then by the time trailer two, it's slightly changed. And now that that's not in there and then they're still using the current cut, you know. And so I'm, you know, and then I make an assessment, you know, retroactively about, hey, you know, let's say the trailer is about to go out, but it had to go through this whole process before it can be put out in the world. Hey, that scene's not in there anymore. Is it is it still representative Mm -hmm. of the story that you're saying? Um, And does it help tell the story? And and in that case, it, 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 it unfortunately you thought it was a courtroom, but yeah, but, I, but I couldn't tell. Yeah, yeah like it, it's, but it's, it's a church, so you go. Well, that character is a is a is a person of faith. Oh, so I'm I'm okay with with that. You know that oh, little okay. subliminal feeling that I I know something about the character that's not in the movie. So I, I'm making those assessments with them. I'm very careful that that they don't uh, wrongly insinuate something. You know, and also I don't that obviously put us too far ahead in the storytelling. Mm. So most of the time, like the third acts are off limits. Is the plane with the clouds and storms that just a, a visual effect? E- yeah, not evo- done yet? Yes, exactly. Oh. The evolution of the, of the visual effect. And that often happens that you're, you're seeing a four month earlier version of the visual effect. Wow. Uh, they're giving us the wraps. So I'm going to cut you loose on oh, this. No. Oh, I know. I know. We could be here all day. Yeah. yeah we um, like nine. Yes. Yeah, Give yeah. me one last yeah. one. Right, Come yeah. on. Yeah. You have such a great history of of bringing actors back that you love to work with time and time. Mm-hmm. In this case, it's Rupert, who I think this is his, probably his best performance. Like he's just phenomenal in this. Is there an actor you've only worked with just for one reason or other one time that you're dying to get one more shot with? Wow, that's a great question. I don't think I've ever been asked that. Um, I, I'm sure there's tons. Uh, I, I don't want to, you know, not say all the sure, actors. Well, yeah, yeah, I'm saying, I'll, I'll take one. Yeah, I'll okay, pick yeah, one. Yeah, one. I'll tell you who popped into my head when Tell you me. said it was Sarah. Sarah Paulson. Oh, yeah, so she popped into my head. She was so great in Yeah, class. so Sarah's out there. Let's do it again sometime. Uh, and she's active on social. We'll clip this and post it for her, <laughs> for her to see. Dude, we had so many questions. Well, thank you so thank much. You guys. It's always fun to hang with you thank guys. You. Yeah, yeah, thank really you for being such a Thanks for having us, You guys are awesome. We appreciate it. This episode of Real Blend is brought to you by Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Power up your favorite characters and build a team to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and even challenge other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Arena. New ways to battle with your roster are released regularly, and the meta is constantly evolving. And now you can sign on for Marvel Strike Force's new Deadpool Anniversary event in order to receive a generous gift containing character shards, an anniversary diamond orb, gear, and other great items. 
Better yet, each week during the Deadpool anniversary, players can complete events and receive even more special rewards and skins. If you want to get in on all the fun of Marvel Strike Force, be sure to use our promo code MAXPOOL, that's M-A-X-P-O-O-L, and thank you to Marvel Strike Force for supporting the show. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Thank you so much to M. Night Shyamalan for joining the show. Uh, everybody go check out Knock at the Cabin. Thank you to our friends at Universal as well, too, for giving us extra time with him. Obviously, we love having filmmakers come on the show and dig deep into their films. We're going to have a lot to say about this movie later on. The boys are predicting before we uh, head into the show to record that this might be the movie that upsets, Ava- upsets Avatar. Finally knocks it out of the number one spot at the box knocks office. Knocks it out. Held on to. <laughs> ah. Pretty good. How many good. how many headlines on Monday morning oh. are going to be at, uh, knock so the cabin many. or knocks out? Yeah, yeah. Cabin yeah, yeah. knocks out Avatar. Oh, yeah, God. Yeah. Give me a break. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, um, earlier this week. <laughs> give me a break. And then Monday morning, Cinema Blends, like top article. <laughs> I'm just going to start writing it right now. You got to jump on it. Uh, earlier this week, James Gunn and Peter Safran had a uh, presentation that where they were announcing the next um half of the first chapter of the new stage of DC studios and DC films and everything they're doing under their creative leadership. Um, there's plenty of places where you guys can go and find out what the slate is. Uh, specifically, I recorded a video with uh, Hannah Solik from our uh, cinema lens staff and you can go to cinema Blend's love you, YouTube Hannah. channel to go check that out. Don't show Hannah all that love when I'm on the video too. What the heck? You don't love me. What's the story? <laughs> I don't click on videos with you. I click on Hannah videos. Um, but uh, I want to quickly go over just some of the ones that are really exciting to me. And then I want to get reactions to you guys um, about how you feel about the direction of this slate in particular. Um, and I want to vent also as well, too, because I was invited to be in that room for that presentation. And Jake knows in particular that this broke my heart that I couldn't be there for it. Because one of the things where like Warner Brothers called me on a Friday and they were like, can you be in Burbank on Monday? And it's like. I know that this industry operates that way sometimes, but like, that's just ridiculous. And so I wasn't able to make, it. but I was really glad to hear the audio of the presentation. And I'm really excited to see what James is doing. With you this to it? Did you listen to it with like a single tear rolling down your cheek? Like looking um, off in the distance? More like rage listened. I'm more like <laughs> I was really disgruntled uh, at not having to be there and pretend. But I, I was opposed to your regular degree of gruntled. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I bet you didn't miss that flight, though. No, not at all. I was very happy to be at home and listening to the audio in my pajamas. But, you know, Kev, like sometimes it is special to be invited to something like that. And then, you oh, feel I like, agree. Yeah, yeah. But I'm I'm with you. Kevin's starting to come over to my side on travel, which I kind of like about it. Um, <laughs> the one in particular that jumps out to me uh, that I cannot wait to see what they do with it is Superman Legacy. And I know that mm. there's a lot of 
um, scuttlebutt about the way that Henry Cavill was treated. And I do think that he was really caught in the crosshairs of the changing of the guard between the old regime, um, who was probably listening to uh, Dwayne Johnson and being somewhat influenced about how they wanted him to have the cameo in Black Adam and 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 then let against all odds, let Henry go out and make a video where he tells fans that he's back and he goes on Josh Horowitz's live podcast and says, I'm back and, and talks about how excited he is to get an opportunity again. And then they just pull the football away from him like Lucy style. And I think that's cruel. Like someone had to know that this wasn't going to go forward and that Henry was not going to be doing this. And so I'm really uh, upset that that happened to him. Yes, Gabe. I still have hope that in like, still looks really young maybe another 20 years we'll get a live action adaptation of invincible and he'll be the dad oh i could see that how great would that be like especially you know 15 20 years from now would be so just give him bond now yeah i'm i'm okay with that too we already saw it on display in guy Ritchie's man from uncle i kind of i kind of just want more Mm -hmm. i mean obviously there's some problematic things with man from uncle at this point as far as making a sequel sure but you know trim that cast down a little bit and just make more uh, man (laughs) from uncle i I love that yeah i love that movie that's great um so we don't know uh here's what we know about superman legacy we know that james gunn is writing it we know that one of the things that they talked about that I think is a really smart way for them to enter this DC universe is that they are not going to be doing origin stories. We're going to be entering into this DC universe and it's just going to exist. Like mm. all the corners of it are existing and the heroes are existing and they all know that that they've been heroes and they are heroes and they're all aware of each other. So when you get to Superman legacy, he's already Superman. He's Clark Kent at the Daily Planet. He's fully aware that there's a Batman and there's a Wonder Woman and all these things are going on. They don't have to set up you know, use each film to establish who these heroes are. They kind of know we know who they are. You know who they are. Let's just hit the ground running. And I think that that's fantastic. Sean, Um, I really want a film that explains to what what happened to Batman as Bruce Wayne as a kid. Yeah, yeah. I really want a movie that explains that. I'll tell you offline. Did you guys see J.D. Dillard, guest of the show, J.D. Dillard's uh, tweet about this? I I feel like it has to be like a comic book story already. He kind of had like a, a joking tweet of like, oh, I guess no one got my email about his he, a Joker movie where Joker builds a time machine to go back and save Bruce's parents. So Batman never exists. And I was well, like, actually, well, make that movie immediately. That's, oh, that's awesome. interesting. <laughs> that's pretty great. That's amazing. I wow. have two quick questions, Sean, because yes. I, 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 I this is genuinely I'm just curious. So from what James Gunn says in the announcement Basically, Shazam comes out. That's the old DC universe. Right. And then Flash resets it completely. Correct. Um, Okay. Although what they said is that uh, Zachary Levi still has the opportunity to potentially stay Shazam. Like they're not canceling him altogether. Okay. But But how, how is Flash resetting the universe? Explain that to me. The Flash, what I understand, is going to open up the concept of the multiverse, uh, very okay. similar to the way that Doctor Strange and Spider-Man No Way Home opened up the concept of the multiverse. Okay. And this new continuity of stories that James Gunn is going to be telling um, will exist in a different universe. OK, um, similar to Matt Reeves's uh, Battenson is going to take place in its own universe that does not cross over with this one that, that James right. Gunn is doing. So Zachary Levi's Shazam that comes out in this new movie that's coming out in March. Yes. Is if theoretically, if he were to appear again, it would be a different version of the character. It could be. Um, or they could just say that that Shazam was part of the universe that they are continuing to build. But what he was pretty is, adamant about resetting it on Flash. Well, I was, yeah. I was under, under the understanding that there's like a, there's going to be a line because yeah. that they want to because they still want to give Momoa Aquaman three. 
Yes. And right. so that there are and, and also like and uh, Viola Davis's character from Waller. the past DC Waller is getting her own HBO Max series. And Correct. then we have the Batman part two and Joker two coming out. So there's going to be sort of a line where they're going to differentiate this exists within this new universe we're creating. And these are kind of just fun, hypothetical projects. Some some from the past, you know, that, like that are where we're continuing, which like exactly which which Kevin, it's I don't know about you, like it's I, I think of this under the realm of how I'm going to explain it to my morning show audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it ain't easy. Like I even no. like was trying to explain it like whenever like this morning, whenever we like when I was like, sort of explaining it to my uh, news anchor who I do like an entertainment headline segment with. And she was like, wait, so like. You're, we're getting a new Batman. And I was and I said, yes. And she goes, but but it's different than Pattinson's Batman. And I was like, yes. And she goes, but this Pat, this Batman is going to meet Superman. But it's maybe the Flash, but not the Flash that meets the Michael Keaton Batman and the Ben Affleck Batman. And I was like, that is all correct. Actually, uh, I just got lost uh, <laughs> three sentences ago. To be, to be fair, though. Yes. This is all because we're speculating on very little information that we're sure. confused. I think that. We have hypothetically we know what's going to happen in the Flash or how it could open up, but I think we have to allow the Flash to happen before we sure. can really be like, oh, this is confusing, or it's not because again, movies are the general audience; they're not necessarily the comic book audience. But comic book audiences for decades have had to deal with, okay, this is a different Spider-Man story, and Spider-Man's going to die in this, and this is about him growing old. Yeah, but they get that. The comic no, no, no. book readers understand. That, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. The, I think that yeah. I think that we can trust that we can, at, at, for the now, benefit of the doubt without knowing trust that they'll be able to communicate that with a movie going audience in some way to where that that exists because they already have like no one thinks that the CW shows are going to interact with Henry Cavill you know like like that that was messy mm. and not that that was great but like that wasn't confusing that just people just accepted that that was until the case until Ezra so. Miller showed up on one of those shows though. sure sure right but but, all, but, but in but in this case <laughs> The shows and the and the movies in right. the, in Guns World will exist. And one thing I want to point out that I did it like about what over. he said um, was that the actors who play the voice characters are also going to hopefully mostly play the physical versions of the characters. I, I yeah, think it's a is great cool. concept, yep. great idea. Well, and in this sense too, it's it's very open world in that if you get and it, it's. Someone compared it to, I think it was Hannah, actually, who said, like, it's a little, little bit like Ragnarok, where it was a Thor movie, but Hulk was in it. And it, everyone was just like, oh, all right, well, I guess Hulk is on this planet when he arrives there. Like, if you're telling a Superman story, but you need Batman to show up in a scene or two and mm. they have the actor who's playing him, he'll just show up. Like, it's not a big deal of like, we're doing Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice. It's just, oh, this is an open world and Superman ends up at this place and that's where Batman is kind of thing. Well, so Sean and I, it's you a lot and I were, of commitment were, to these actors. You and I were talking on the phone and because and, one of the things that, that Gunn said, correct me if I'm wrong, that it's it's less that they're building toward an Avengers style meetup and more that they're just working to build their character, these characters. And if the story needs it, they'll cross over. And the thing I yeah. said to you, I said, so that means in my mind, the way I'm reading that is less Avengers movies, more Ragnarok movies, not necessarily yeah, yeah. the tone or like the, this humor, but more the like. Let's just put these people together it, just because the story dictates it. And, and honestly, that's fine with me. That was that was a mistake DC made last time is they tried to rush to Justice League too quickly. Yeah. And I think that it's fair to say that like audiences change and grow with how storytelling changes and grows. And the mm -hmm. last decade taught audiences about team ups like the last decade was yeah. people getting individual stories and then putting them together. 
it would be old hat to do it that way at this point. And now mm-hmm. I think DC is almost forced to just allow the world to exist and be open. And people are going to understand that and be more excited about that in the same way that now with Marvel, all of their yeah. movies have to tie in somebody else or else people sort of criticize it for being a little small. You I, know? I do worry, though, that through with three different tiers of DC characters, that are being brought over from the past DC characters that are just on their own and have nothing to do with this, the main story and then the main story. Mm. I well, do. And you look, I, I trust audiences to be smart and be able to figure it out. But like, that's per, that's a, I will say it's a the, I, we the, the layout the is more complicated. Confused. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, I, it was a lot more convoluted and less clean slate than I expected it to be. But here's the thing. I think yeah. eventually those side projects are going to get largely phased out. Like, I but think they're the Gun, only ones making money. I think, Gun I think that's why they're still happening, though. Like if the Batman wasn't as good as the Batman was, they probably might not even consider. Exactly. exactly. But I'm saying like the Batman and Joker are like they're the only things in D.C. that are like really. Well, I guess Aquaman delivered a billion. But what did the Batman the make? Oh, the Batman made 700. Like seven, like 750. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. An Academy Award nominated film, by the way. Not enough Academy Award nomination. I don't think I realized the yeah. Batman made seven hundred and seventy million dollars. Wow. It had no real competition when it came out. It it but, quietly just cleaned up March and April for a but while. But it's a three hour, really dark Batman <laughs> film. Like, like really that's is. really cool. Like crazy. Yeah. It made that much money. Wow. You know, it's nuts. I know that we talk about and we'll switch to the brave and the bold, which is the next Batman movie. But like, it's so funny that like Robert Pattinson right now is PJ's Batman. Like that's his bat. Like that's yeah. it hit him at that time, you know, and yeah. now that's his Batman. And he can't wait for that, you know, next chapter of that universe kind of thing. And, See, uh, I, for me, it's I, I'm ready for and I'm getting nervous about like this, the you know, and it's all reports and speculation. You don't know. But like that Keaton's being a little cut out of the flash, like that maybe yeah, he's not going to to me like I, I just I that's all I wanted was to see Keaton again. Like that's why um, we're, we're so close. Don't take this from me. I think he's a significant part of the movie. Like I, I, I think, think he has to be. Barry's going to spend a lot of time in that universe. And he's well, we're about to, to I think we're about to get a really serious major first look uh, during the Super Bowl. And yes, also a big trailer gun made a really interesting statement. I don't want to paraphrase him, but he said that he said the flash is one of the best superhero films he's ever seen. He's ever he said, seen. I think he said exactly that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, he did that. I don't think he would say that lightly. No, I, also I don't agree because because yeah. if it because if it's not or if it's so bad, then then he's lost all credibility with the sure. audience immediately. So Very I don't think quickly. he would make that claim. But I also, mean, filmmakers is a good filmmaker. Yeah, that's <laughs> honestly that's what my, that's what makes me excited about is that filmmaker, because yeah. he uh, I, I mean, I don't love it. Part two, but it part one was outstanding. But, say, but say what you want to about it. Part two, you can say a lot of things about it. I actually really liked it. You can say a lot of things about it. But what you can't say is that it's poorly made. No, no, correct. no I, I just it's didn't need all those well characters. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, that's a, and that's a totally justified. I, I, I liked it, but I mean, I, I also like you know, the King novel, which is that thick. Right. Um, that, that, that issue felt like it was, uh, we really just want to be respect. Like we want to really do this yeah, novel yeah. justice versus yeah, we want to yeah, yeah. make. Also, most- I mean like King doesn't often do cameos in his stuff anymore as much as he used to. And he's in that, which like, yeah. you, you don't, you don't. Yeah. He's, he plays, he's a in the store. Keeper. Yeah. He's a shopkeeper. Oh, that's right. Does Bill buy the bike from him? Is that what happens? Yeah, that's right. Bill, yeah, that's right. right. Um, hmm. The Brave and the Bold, uh, I want to quickly mention, is the the new Batman. This is what's this is probably what's leading to some of the confusion is that James going to get to cast going to get to cast a different Batman that's going to be part of his DCU. Um, but they are jumping ahead to give him a Robin that I'm really fascinated to see. Oh, yeah, this sounded cool. 
Yeah, Damien? So da- Damien Wayne um, is, uh, he's roughly 10 or 11 in the comics, I think, when Bruce first meets him. And he is the um, child of Bruce Wayne and Talia al Ghul. Um, oh. who Marion Cotillard played in Dark Knight Rises oh, and wow. is often a love interest for Bruce Wayne over the years. But Bruce doesn't know that that he had a child with her. Um, Marion uh, Marion Cotillard. <laughs> Talia al Ghul kept him secret um, and raised him uh, through the League of Assassins. So he's a 10-year-old psychopath essentially like he's a lethal killer i'm blessed um, sounds amazing is, is it kind of like in the vein of like how hit girl was super young but badass like like in the kick-ass 100%. movies it kind of yes. reminded me of that a little bit like the artwork i was like i gotta get a little hit girl vibe from like uh, like like a younger person Absolutely. And, and, yeah okay and damien thinks he's as good as batman if not better um mm. he's extremely arrogant which um allows him to play off of other characters who I think we're going to see in this film, which is Dick Grayson, who's probably going to be Nightwing by the time we meet him. And you're going to get mm. a Barbara Gordon playing Batgirl. I don't think it's Leslie Grace. I think that movie got shelved and and her run as Batgirl got shelved. But um, you're going to see more of the Bat family in that one. Uh, I, this is a quick side note. I just want to say a uh, huge shout out to Adil and Bilal. Uh, speaking of Batgirl, I know that yeah. got that got that got canned and taken away, but they got their redemption and we're getting a Bad Boys 4. Yes, just sir. unfortunately, they already called the third one Bad Boys for Life. So I don't know you what they're going to do. You saw that video, though? Did you watch yeah. the video where they made yeah. fun of that? Yeah, That's I can't funny. wait. Anyways, continue, <laughs> yeah. continue. They're gonna and honestly, great. can I throw out the uh, the title that they announced that I'm most excited about? And it's the most random thing, but Please. just based on. James Mangold Swamp Thing as a horror it, film. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, awesome. That yeah. like of the whole slate that was whenever they said it one, it's going to be a horror film. Two, it's going to be Swamp Thing. Three, it's going to be uh, Mangold. Like all three of those things, I went, yep. Like because, that's the thing, and it's going to tie in. So how the hell? I don't know, but like know. one Didn't day Mangold, we could get a. Didn't he tweet out a poster before any any there was any acknowledgement of him even being I didn't involved see that. in it? Um, I didn't see it. He, they Gunn said he was directing it. I think it just oh, flew under the radar. I, uh, so um, what I'm reading now, but then Mangold confirmed it. Reports that oh, is it confirmed? Yeah, today I'm reading no. that he's in early talks. So right. I don't think oh, really? that anything has been signed, but I assume it's just a scheduling money stuff. Like I from what I understand, the announcement came out. And then all of a sudden Mangold tweeted a poster of Swamp Thing, like uh, okay. some type of like uh, poster. And people read into that as, oh, Mangold's doing sw- uh, doing the film. I didn't know. I don't think it's confirmed or, or and or was announced. I think he was just I don't know. Give it to him. Give it to yeah. him because he's great. He's yeah. phenomenal. All right. So back um, to Damian Wayne. Sorry. Well, no, I'm oh, going to jump to the. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to. No, Jake was, me. was is excited for Swamp Thing. The title I'm most excited for. And then Kevin, I want to go to you. I can't wait for Lanterns, which is an HBO Max yes. uh, series. And you said that, dark and edgy, right? Well, they're describing it as true detective, but with, oh, with three yes. lanterns. Yes. It's a true detective type mystery, but it has Hal Jordan and Jon Stewart, who are two Green Lanterns. And mm. it's going to be terrestrial based. It's going to be based on, on Earth. It's not like a there was a Green Lantern script that was floating around for a while that everybody kind of described as lethal weapon with lanterns. Um, but <laughs> and I'm OK with that, too. But if you're going to tell me that it's a true detective type type uh, story, I, then I just hope the Hal Jordan performance is exactly Matthew McConaughey's performance. How <laughs> <laughs> about just cast the two of them? <laughs> we stop saying Tom, weird shit. Tom is a flat circle. Yeah. He's like, and they're cracking open Lone Star beers. I don't sleep. I just dream. <laughs> uh, Kev, which one hit you? Which one are you circling? 
In all honesty, it was the it was it was the honest. I watched the whole video, but the brave and the bold thing to me was the most interesting because I was curious about that younger Robin type (laughs) character. And so but so it's the character's name is Damian Wayne, but he is going to be Robin. It is. It is a version of Robin. He's Robin, but he's like the fourth Robin. in in okay. that was the, the that interested me. I also thought the imagery that he used for the Superman announcement was interesting. I'm assuming that's from one of the comics. I, I thought that was a cool the shot. The messaging I read into that is we're going hopeful Superman. Yeah, we promise. It was, the colors yeah. of it seemed like it was like it was it wasn't well, like super said, dark and brooding. Even say, yeah. Sorry. Didn't he even say the quote? Um, what's the Superman quote? Uh, Truth, justice in the American way. Didn't he even say that? Like he may classic. Have. I think he said that at some point. I think he you had a see little the poll shot that he put, put out today. I think he had a little shot at Man of Steel where he said Superman's greatest weakness is that he doesn't kill anybody. Uh, he goes out of his way to protect everyone possible. Do we really like, think ah. that James Gunn doesn't like Man of Steel? James Gunn. He, there's no way he doesn't love Man hey, of that's Steel. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm <laughs> saying. There's no, man, man of Steel. Also, in terms shade, of like, shade. in terms of the announcement, I actually, I thought it was interesting. I, I was talking, we were talking, texting on the chat. It was cool. It didn't feel super scripted. It mm-hmm. felt mm. really kind of um, like he was talking directly to you. Um, I was just amazed at how he keeps it all together. That's kind of what I was took away from the whole video was like, how does this guy write all these things? He's like probably in post on Guardians three. He's dealing with he's got to be playing Peacemaker season two. I mean, yep. it's just insane uh, how calm and collected he was with everything he was saying. And I, his I, hair I, is white now. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think he died it before Suicide Squad. I want to say I remember like his hair being white for Suicide Squad, the press. Um, But yeah, he yeah. I I mean, obviously a very talented filmmaker, talented writer, talented director. So I'm very curious to see how he handles it. It's cool to have a director at the helm. Yeah. Um, Somebody, you know, like Feige's obviously phenomenal with the MCU, but he's not a he's not a director. I mean, he's he's a producer. Um, And but Gunn is a producer, a writer, a director. Uh, It's kind of a a triple threat almost. Um, And one of the things he was saying in the presentation, too, which doesn't feel like it needs to be said yet. The fact that he was saying it, he goes, we're not going to go into production on a film unless our script is completely finished. And he goes, we're putting the writers back at the forefront where they belong. Yeah, you're going to come to us with an idea and you're going to fully flesh it out and develop it. And again, like you shouldn't have to say that out loud, but we've seen too many examples over the past 20 years of movies that went into a production without a third act. And they just assume like, well, we'll figure it out when we get there. And then you don't figure it out when you get there because you weren't able to figure it out when you started. So I admire the fact that he's saying such things. Jakey, what'd you have? So I don't want to I don't want to uh, contribute to the like pitting one thing against the other. But in nature of doing that, I can honestly tell you, I based on the future of Marvel and the future of DC and what we're looking down the pipeline for each. Yeah. I'm more excited about the future of DC than I am Marvel. And that's not something I feel like I have said in a very long time. Well, that's uh, that, I do believe the reason you feel that way is just Marvel has just been so consistently great. And then they, they it got to. A fatigue aspect, I mean, and it's been consistently it, meh for the past few years. Oh no, I'm talking about. I'm just talking about like the throughout the 30 plus films they made, they were consistently great for a long time, and then I think obviously we got a bit fatigued because I felt like the MCU started to really mess with the idea of stakes and not really, you know, I, you, you got to give these character deaths, you know, reality. I know Iron Man's gone, but. You know, I just think that like I when I watch an MCU film and something bad happens to a character, I sometimes in the back of my mind go, oh, that person will be back somehow. They'll some sure. figure out a way to bring that person back. Um, I'm hoping that with, I think the reason why we're excited about DC is, you know, obviously with James Gunn being at the helm of it and Peter Safran. But 
it, it makes sense why DC would be more exciting right now, because right sure. now, you know, these these phases post Avengers Endgame minus uh, Shang-Chi, which I loved uh, and uh, um, Black Panther was great and No Way Home. And I like Black Panther Wakanda forever. I thought the first one was way better, but mm. but it, it, it hasn't been. I mean, Endgame was a huge culmination of like so many years and so many films. Mm -hmm. Um, It's kind of impossible to capture that excitement again, like especially with that level of characters, the level of movies they were making. Uh, And so DC kind of has an automatic advantage because they're the underdog. They're like they're they're now the you know, I mean, listen, we get back to Chris Nolan style Batmans uh, and that type of DC work. I mean, isn't that I'm in I'm in. Is that and what also, Matt Reeves is doing? Yeah, I yeah. Like it's what Reeves I mean, is doing. Reeves they described Reeves. it as a crime saga, which is how they yeah. described Heat, which is basically what Nolan was <laughs> what doing. Dark Knight. Yeah, Jake's got like red yarn yeah. on a clip on yeah. a board. Yeah, I'm like that the, the Charlie Day from It's Always Sunny meme, where like the, all the the yarn. Yeah. Oh. By the way, I'm 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 going through It's Always Sunny for the first time ever. I'm on season two are right you, now. Are you listening to their podcast as you watch? So I'm gonna go back and do that. But it's I, great. I'm, their bloopers are amazing, obviously, but yeah. I'm just kind of going through. I think was it 16 seasons or something? How many seasons do they have? It's insane. It's still Anyways. going. Yeah, 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 it's crazy. Yeah. Right. Well, that concludes our DC talk. We're going to take a quick break before we come back with this week in movies and this week's blending. And we are back. All right. So real quick, um, in a weird bit of um, promotional branding, uh, Tom Brady retired. Uh, and his new movie, 80 for Brady. Yeah, the, the, the press tour for this is weird. <laughs> it's just short. Yeah. It's one quick Twitter video. Yeah. And he's out. Um, yeah, him on the, screen. When, he, when he lost that Cowboys game, was it the Cowboys that Tampa lost to? Or was it the uh, Eagles? Yeah, yeah. 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 The Cowboys. yeah that was lost to the Cowboys. Yeah, that was all part it of the narrative. It was all promo for 88 for Brady. <laughs> he is all, in. This is yeah. commitment to the bit. He threw that terrible interception. That was all planned. <laughs> 80 for Brady. <laughs> Um, I have no clue who this movie is for. I really, I just have no idea who the target audience is. Going to make $400 million in Boston alone. (laughs) Mark Wahlberg is going five times this weekend. (laughs) But you know, not that this matters and this is just me making it personal, but it is, my understanding, it is based on a true story and it's based on the Super Bowl that I went to. I was at, I was there and watched the, the, I was at the Houston Super Bowl when Brady came back against the Falcons and that's the... That's uh, the Super Bowl that these four women the went to Super Bowl see. Ever. It was because I'm it was a Panther amazing. fan and I hate the Falcons more than anything. Yeah. And that was almost as good as if the Panthers ever won a Super Bowl was watching the Falcons blow that lead. Might, might be as close as you get for a while. Uh, yeah, no, no kidding. Um, but all three of us have seen uh, M. Night Shyamalan's Knock at the Cabin. And he is a guest on this week's show. And we are really happy to have him by. And Kevin calls this his favorite M. Night Shyamalan since Unbreakable. Kev, start yeah. there. Well, I mean, yeah. So I, I've always found myself defending M. Night over the years because I think that, you know, there was a there was a period of time where, you know, he was like the number one seed in terms of filmmaking. And then, like, I think people got tired of the twist bit and 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 then just turned negative towards him. Um, and I never really understood that. And uh um, Gabe just tweeted a joke about that's why his fans are called M Knights. What's that? I, I don't get With a that. K. You said you defend M Knight. Uh, oh said, yeah. <laughs> mm. Okay, it took me a second. I didn't um, say it because it was a text uh, joke. That's why. Yeah, that's why. It was funny. So, um, uh, so anyway, so yeah, I um, 
but I've always been a fan of his work. I mean, so I, I, I even I love the village. I was one of the people who love Lady in the Water. Um, you know, I thought the visit was really, really great. Uh, I didn't necessarily love old, um, but he's, you know, Unbreakable is, is, you know, we'll get to the blends game later on. But like, it, it is a film that I genuinely love. And, and his cinematography choices have always been really fascinating. And he's also a filmmaker who still shoots on film, which is really great. Um, and so Knock at the Cabins also shot on film. But I think this is the, you know, there's a shot at the beginning of Unbreakable that I always think about where we're on the train with the kid and he's looking back at Bruce, Bruce Willis's character and the camera's going left and right through like the, the split of the seat. Right. Yeah. And I just always found his cinematography in that, in that film to be so special. And it kind of made me focus a lot more on kind of his choices, his narrative choices as a filmmaker. And in our interview, obviously we talk a little bit about shot choices and lenses. I want to shout out the cinematography specifically because in terms of shot choices and, and making selective choices about framing. And, you know, if you watch the film very closely, you'll notice actors are very, very uh, like, sta- like shot in very specific parts of the frame. Like Rupert Grin will be bottom right of the frame. Uh, Jonathan Groff will be left of the frame and Ben Aldridge will be right of the frame. And this is not new. This is not something that hasn't been done before. But when you're making narrative decisions and narrative choices surrounding your shot choices, they are felt subconsciously by the by the audience member. So regardless of like if you go into a movie noticing how a dolly zoom is done or a zolly is done or or a certain rack focus is done. If you don't know any of that, it doesn't matter because it's the effect the shot is having on you. You know, you can watch Jaws and you see Roy Scheider see the shark for the first time. And you see that incredible effect with the background leaves them as his face stays in frame, you know, in, in, in the frame, the front of the shot. That is a dolly zoom. It's a very famous shot that obviously Hitchcock made famous with Vertigo. It had been done before, but it was very famously done in Vertigo. Um, It's where you basically zoom the camera and pull it back at the same time or the other way around. Um, But in terms of that, those shot choices, you feel the effects of it. You feel the anxiety levels of it. Um, Performances wise, this film is brilliant. I mean, uh, Dave Bautista, Ben Aldridge, I think, are the two are the two uh, MVPs here. Ben Aldridge. Really, really carries I this Groff film was the was one of them. I, I love Groff. Groff. Terrific. So I thought Aldridge to me was the like I thought he was outstanding. Uh, he was also great in spoiler alert. Um, but from a thematic standpoint, this film is dealing with a very big question, a very big choice that characters have to make. And the entire film surrounds that. Um, and I, I, I love that that becomes the centerpiece and the moral question of what you would do. When do you start really believing the scenario? Uh, is the world going to end if we really don't sacrifice somebody from our family? Um, it That moral question is is with you the entire movie. Um, so it's that it's really fascinating kind of like how he deals with it on a psychological level. I loved it. It's my favorite movie he's made since Unbreakable. Um, Unbreakable, you know, is a masterpiece. I love that film so much. Uh, but this kind of recaptured a sense of me loving his shot choices, his thematic decisions, his performances are outstanding. Um, everybody in this film is delivering on 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 all cylinders. Rupert Grint is great. I mean, everybody's really great in this movie. So I loved it. I was really impressed with it. But from a shot perspective, if you're a film nerd and you love cinematography, you know, maybe see it again and just study the shots. I think this should be shown in film schools like just the rack focuses, the dolly zooms. Everything that's being done is really fantastic. I think it's really interesting. And score. Great. Between old um, and this like night is getting more experimental with his camera mm-hmm. movements and his camera he pays choices. for his own movies. He can do whatever he wants. He used to be very focused on, I, th- I think, his scripts. 
Um, mm-hmm. And and it feels like he's getting more um, loose and free as a as a director and as a filmmaker. Like some of the things oh, he yeah. tries in old are are fascinating, and I just want I enjoyed watching it from a visual standpoint. Um, I agree with you, Kevin, that I think the performances in this are terrific. Um, uh, and, and they, they are what kept me compelled, uh, in the movie. And I, it's hard to discuss this movie because it's the, I don't want to give too much away about the premise and this, I want to keep this spoiler free for people going into it as well, too. Um, and, and the, the premise essentially boils down to you having to either believe, um, these four strangers who have shown up at the cabin and their story, um, or the, the family who they are trying to explain the story to, or, and, and you're supposed to, the, they have to make a decision and it's a very tough decision. And each time that they, they push them a little bit further to see if they agree with like, or if they're going to go along with it or not, something bad happens. Right. Um, I almost felt that it needed to stay in that uncertainty longer. Like I, I, I think it, it rushed through some of it. Like um, and it's hard to again, uh, it's hard to to describe in detail the things that happen. Um, but some of the things I thought happened a little bit quickly and I, I wanted them to sort of there's there's certain things in particular that that, that get brought up um, and you question whether they're true or not. And then there are sometimes when the movie answers uh, for you. And I wish that they had left it a little bit more vague or ambiguous um, because See, I, I disagree. I actually thought it was ambiguous in, until the end. Did you? Okay. Yeah, I I still didn't know what was going down until we got closer to the end. By the end, and by the end, it becomes pretty. It it does become a little bit obvious, but there are narrative points throughout it when, um, like like they have to turn on the TV and the TV has to be showing something at the exact moment that it's happening. Um, you'll see it. You'll, it'll make sense. It'll but make it, a but it made sense. sense. It made sense when they it did. did it. It did. Yeah. It's breaking I just think news. Sometimes it was convenient. I I know what you're saying. I just thought that I think sometimes it was convenient. I thought that the performances uh, are what carry it, though. Batista is is oh. reaching a new level. Um, and I'm so done. glad that he's getting an opportunity to because even in something like if you watched Army of the Dead, uh, it's a genre horror film. Right. But he had a relationship with his daughter in that movie that gave it uh, an emotional current that I wasn't expecting mm. out of a Zack Snyder zombie horror in, in a casino kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he's just becoming a, a really great actor that people can depend on. And it's, it's been great today. Like during the day we were writing on cinema blend that there's um, people who are coming to his defense because he said in an interview, like no director would ever cast me in a rom-com just because of the mm. way he looks essentially. Yeah. And people were coming out and saying like, absolutely get him, get uh, Dave Batista his rom-com kind of thing. Um, and that's tough for people who are his size and his build because you, you're right. It's it's difficult to cast him in stuff. It's mm. a, a little bit like what Arnold faced, you know, when he was in his prime. You know, you couldn't put him in just about everything because of the well, way wouldn't that, that he be like looked. the great plot for the rom com. That whenever I read that quote, my mind went, "Well, that's the plot. You've got this big, you know, slab of a man yeah. who just wants his meat cute." Yeah, and yeah. can't seem to find it because people see think a certain thing when they like like the, his comments to me. If I if I'm a studio, I like I'm like there there it is like there's yeah, there's yeah. your plot for a rom com. What's interesting okay. though about what what you're saying, Sean, is like and uh, um, Batista. I thought the moment that I really saw his range was Blade Runner 2049. Yeah, because it was there was a stillness to the way he like took off those little glasses he was wearing and but then there was this brutality to the character that was there and and on Batista's actual hands 
are, is the quote passive by nature, violent by choice, mm-hmm. which is, you know, a contradiction, obviously, which explains kind of who he is, but also explains Leonard explains. And I think that's what's going on with him is that like Winston, I guess Denis saw something right and now mm-hmm. we're really starting to get these this range i mean stuber he was hilarious in that i mean he's amazing um but it's this like big teddy bear i remember looking back at him after our interview and he was like he was like dude look how big my head is compared to yours i'm like you are a large <laughs> individual <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's, what, that's what i said to him i looked back yeah. I said, you are a large individual yeah, i yeah. mean uh but but there's something disarming about him which is so fascinating, which is why he's so great in Knock at the Cabin, because the performance at any moment, this guy could rip your head off. Yeah. But but he's not, that's not in his nature. It, it would be a choice, yeah. which just explains yeah, yeah. the character no, perfectly. I totally understand. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. Jakey, where do you fall on it? Uh, I mean, a couple of points that I want to follow up with you guys. Yeah. One of the reasons that I like the choices that um, Batista is making is that he seems to be making active choices where the characters go against your instant mentality that you think of when you see him like like even like in the opening scene of Blade Runner he's very gentle with like the potted plants and and the character of Leonard like first of all he doesn't look like someone who would be named Leonard and knock at the cabin and and even though like it's I guess like he's being billed as like the villain like he's a very quiet gentle person in this film and I think he's really actively going after roles that are the antithesis that Hollywood would normally cast him in, which I think is absolutely brilliant. Um, I, I really loved this film. It's I was telling Sean yesterday that it is um, it's one of the few films in recent memory where if they had made it 20 minutes longer, I wouldn't have been mad about it. Like I could have stayed there a little bit longer. You know, I, I'm just really fascinated with what. Shyamalan does with settings I, I which is why I think he'd be a great playwright because I think that he could come up with a great setting and then just tell a story in that space whether it's mm-hmm. a beach where you get older or an apartment with a fake baby in New York with servant or you know this this you know this community in the middle of the woods with a village or in this cabin um, and I think he is so great with asking the question what if something crazy happened in this one particular place? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really loved it. I, I, th- I think I, I'm probably somewhere between you guys and that like I'm with Sean and that I would have liked a little bit more of a period of uncertainty. I would have liked to have ping ponged back and forth a little bit in terms of I kind of felt like about halfway through the movie, I made a decision about how I felt who was right one way or the other. Um, Mm. I would have liked to have gone back and forth a little bit more on that Um, again, which kind of goes to like, this is one of the few movies in recent memory where like, you could have let it breathe. I mean, do we know the runtime? Is it, is it a tight 90? It's It's like under under two hours. Yeah. It felt really fast. I was in my car at eight 40. Yeah, it that's a seven o'clock start. That thing moves. Um, Uh, IMDb has it listed an hour and 40 minutes. Yeah, it didn't it didn't even feel that long. Like, honestly, if he'd let it go to two, I wouldn't have been mad about it. Um, But I I just I really loved it. You know, say what you want to about about Shyamalan. I think I think all all of us here are Shyamalan defenders. I I didn't particularly love old, but, you know, to me, like old and knock of the head, they're perfect examples of like maybe you're you don't super love it and maybe you don't love it to the degree that you loved some of his earlier stuff but you gotta give the dude credit he is he is swinging for the fences and trying to give us something original um for me this is a a really solid four out of five and i'll take 
a a four out of five like swinging for the fences like that maybe doesn't quite get their original piece of thinking even though this is based on a novel um as opposed to a, a dude playing it safe and just kind of like ticking all the boxes that he knows that we love before we move on and we're going to move on to the blend game which is uh m night Shyamalan blend and so i want to ask you guys before we transition into this do you feel like he is a name that draws the audience yeah, um, yeah. yes because i think our this generation movie. knows him but does the does the generation behind us know mm-hmm. M. Night Shyamalan? They do now because, first of all, this one's getting great reviews. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think this is going to be a um, a reinvention for him in a way. Um, but weirdly enough, all those numbers I just gave you. I mean, yeah, he's been people are tuning in. Yeah. Crushing yeah, yeah, yeah. it. At the box office. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting. I, I, Josh Horwitz said this when we were, we were in New York. You know, this is a guy who was on magazines as the next Spielberg. Yeah. Right. Um, and that pressure must have been absolutely insane. All right. We're into the uh, Shyamalan blend game. And Jakey, why don't you kick us off of telling us your all time favorite M. Night Shyamalan movie? I, I hate to do this. I really do. And I, I apologize for being that guy. But for me, it's Sixth Sense. Mm-hmm. I, I just recently rewatched it on Thursday before. um going out to new york to to talk to him and it's just such a just a, first of all he, i know he was nominated for um for director and for screenplay for that was film. He? But, i mean that is yeah he was oh, in wow. fact that was that was picture? really crazy yeah it was nominated for best picture but he was he wasn't a producer on it and what was crazy is that like that that movie that for that award season really wasn't like a major contender and then came out the gate with picture director screenplay supporting actress for tony collette and then supporting actor for Haley joel osmond that um, scene so in that's the a traffic jam. Yes, oh, 100%. Best and it's just, I mean, it, the, the thing is, is that like, yes, I know that these days, like when people bring up the sixth sense, it goes hand in hand with talking about the ending. Sure. But that movie is so much more that like yeah, the ending makes it better and it makes the ending better. Like the two go yeah. hand in hand. It's not, yeah. it's not a, a, you know, it is so, I mean, it's, it's one of. Uh, Bruce Willis's best performance. I, I honestly think it's 100%. probably my favorite Bruce Willis performance. And Sean, you could speak to this more than anybody. Hey. The, the relationship he, he, <laughs> he used has to um, for Sean's thoughts hey, on hey, bookshelves across up. the country. Yeah. And, uh, I think stuff. you're. you're, I, you're I think you you miss uh, misstated Butch from Pulp Fiction. Oh, that's I, I, I so honestly I go with now. Granted, like I I prefer Pulp Fiction as a film, but in terms of performances, I go with I go with Sixth Sense because that's a, the relationship that he has with Haley Joel Osment. Um, you know, like a lot of actors would would speak down to a kid, but I feel like he he talks to Haley Joel Osment on on like a, such a personal level that makes that yeah. that relationship so special. That but, Haley know, Joel Osment performance, dude, it's is genius. Shouldn't genius. Oh my god, it's it's insane. It's insane. A child should not be that good. Yeah. yeah. And and you know what's so funny is that this is probably um when I watched it the other night. It's probably the first time I've watched it in my 30s. So it's been a few years since I've, I'm, I just turned 35. So it's, it's so it's been a few years since I've watched it. And it's the first time that I got tears watching mm. it. Mm. And and there's just so, it's just there's something about it that's like like heartbreaking and beautiful all at the same time. It's about this idea of like letting go but letting go not needing to be a sad thing that like you can mm-hmm. still appreciate like the time that you had together mm-hmm. and finding like that like the purpose in like the dark moments in life, this idea of like, I'm getting chills talking about it, this idea of like he, like he Haley may end up seeing these ghosts for the rest of his life, but he yeah, seems right. at such peace at the end of the film because he realizes that if he just listens to them and this idea that like they disappear after 
they're helped and that and yeah. and the 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 moment that like and I don't think I actually I truly even realized this until I, I watched it this time is that the moment that he helps Bruce like that's why Bruce Willis disappears at the end because he mm-hmm. the kid helps him mm-hmm. uh, and, and it's just Cole helps him and realize and tell I think he tells him like like just like uh talk to her when she's sleeping mm-hmm. and that's the moment when he both realizes he's dead and then realizes like okay I I can move on mm-hmm. it's just it's beautifully directed it's it's the screenplay is pitch perfect chock full of beautiful performances it's one of the single greatest horror films ever made i think we forget that it I, it falls under the horror genre and it's just there's you know what and i i we, we talk about this a lot like i hate picking like someone's first big movie as as my favorite or their best because there is this implication that they haven't been as good it's like they, it's telling someone they peaked in high school but <laughs> it, i that it, how how do you beat one of the greatest genre films of you all know, time i think spielberg's chasing jaws <laughs> You know, I, I, honestly, like, well, yeah, well, Jaws, yeah, oh, he's, not his he's first made, movie, but he's made better movies than Jaws. He has. I, I can name 10 that he's made. That you can name 10? Jaws. You can name 10 Spielberg movies better than Jaws? You want me to right now? No, no. I don't want you to. Oh. <laughs> Neither does Daenerys. I definitely know 10 off the top of my head that are better than Jesus. Jaws. Jesus. Okay. I love Jaws, but it's not his best movie. Schindler's List is better than Jaws. Saving Private Ryan is better than Jaws. Okay, well, you said don't listen. Oh. All right. No, they're not. But, Jaws is an amazing blockbuster, yeah. but he's made better movies. Um, Kev, are you also going Sixth Sense? No, I'm going with Unbreakable. There you go. Um, you know, listen, Unbreakable to me was a film I didn't really necessarily appreciate until I got older. Um, and a lot of that had to do with, you know, you have when, when a filmmaker comes off of, I equate it to kind of Quentin coming off of Pulp Fiction, even though Pulp wasn't his first movie, but then Jackie Brown being the the next movie um, after his major major breakout, Reservoir Dogs was a bit was a big one for him, but Pulp Fiction was like, yeah, I guess you guys would agree, like that that was like his mo- mo- momentous like massive film, uh, and then to follow it up with Jackie Brown, which was very different than Pulp Fiction, people judged Pulp Jackie Brown against the quality of Pulp Fiction. Very different films. Jackie Brown I to me was being a, disappointed by Unbreakable when it first came out. I, I, I remember falling yeah. into that trap. It's I'm because, of, yeah, because you assume and you want a certain um, type of film from a filmmaker that you've just experienced and you and you sure. hope that that movie you lives up the to same. That. Right. Which is why Once Upon a Time in Hollywood took a little bit to come around for me. And now it's my favorite Tarantino film is because it was such a different departure from kind of the Quentin movies that I had watched over the years. And Jackie Brown's become one of my favorite Tarantino movies of all time now because I'm I am away from the mindset of my love for Pulp Fiction and going into it, expecting more of that. Um, Sixth Sense is a masterpiece, um, but Unbreakable, I was you, you, you're, you the twist ending of Sixth Sense was so shocking that you couldn't watch Unbreakable without thinking about what was going to be the twist or what was going to happen. Um, there was, in my mind, I, I had a hard time like experiencing it, not thinking about, oh, what's going to happen? What's he going to do? Is all this real? Blah, blah, blah. Um, now that I've looked back on Unbreakable, as I mentioned in my review of Knock at the Cabin, I'm just blown away by the the stillness of that movie. It's really an interesting film. Um, it's a really great superhero movie. Um, you know, prior to having all these superhero films we have now this really you know much like kevin smith was integrating superhero aspects into his filmmaking it was cool that a filmmaker at that time was playing around with comic books in a sense um and you know to see 
you know, obviously, I, I think Samuel L. Jackson is outstanding in that movie, uh, uh, as is Bruce Willis. The concept, the trailer for that film. Do you remember the trailer when like, you know, that? Yeah, because it's it, a majority. It, the majority of the trailer is the train, right? He's on yes. the train. Yeah. And, it, and, they, and they tell you like this one person survived. It was, isn't it someone like it's like a voiceover? The guy, you have no scratches on your body. How is this kind of possible? Actually, is it, isn't it Shyamalan? Isn't Shyamalan the doctor? Is he? I, I don't know. Is. I think you're right. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. I, I feel like is. Shyamalan's the doctor in yeah because he's because yeah. he's well he's definitely the doctor in Sixth Sense. Yeah, but I think I think he's the doctor because he's the one that says something about like you don't have a scratch on you. Wait, was it? I remember the, the trailer. trailer, or was it him sitting on the table in the hospital then? Well, no, you're in the hospital in the trailer after the train crash, and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. then there, yeah, yeah, and so. I just remember that film and not you know liking it, but but not appreciating it. And then as I've gotten past that part of it and I've sat down and watched it, it has just become my favorite movie of his. It's it, it's masterfully directed. It's an incredible, incredible film. Every single frame, every minute of it is fantastic. Um, and I just think the score, the cinematography, that opening sequence, um, it is just an amazing movie. And I, lo- I love that film. And forever at this moment is still my favorite movie of his to, to date. And I think Sixth Sense probably is the best movie he's ever made. Though I'd argue Unbreakable is right there. Um, I love that. I, film. I, would, I would say Unbreakable is top 10 superhero films of all time. It's an outstanding And the elevator film. pitch on it is brilliant. The elevator pitch yeah. being like, what if Superman didn't realize he was Superman? Like that right. is that is such a great elevator pitch. The, tr- yeah. the, the scene where he actually gives in to his son and starts weight lifting weights mm-hmm. in the basement. Yeah. To see oh, how much my strength God. He, he puts the cans of paint on yes. the uh, phenomenal because up until that point, he he just shoo shoot his, his kid and essentially said, you don't you know what you're talking about. And then he finally gets into it like, oh, wait a second. How much more weight can we add sort of thing? I actually think Bruce Willis, personally, I prefer him in Unbreakable to Sixth Sense because I, Interesting. I, I, I mean, I, you know, two, there's, there's two. I mean, you're talking great in the Sixth Sense, great in the Sixth Sense, but Unbreakable to me is probably like top five Willis performances like like it is, you know, it, it, it's a different performance, obviously, because of the nature of the story and what's happening in the Sixth Sense versus Unbreakable and Unbreakable. His character is a little more in the forefront, I would argue. Um, so it, it's a, it's a different it's a different situation. Um, I can't tell you guys because great. I'm going through the process of watching every Bruce movie ever made for the purpose of this book. Like I'm writing capsule reviews for each one. And the way that I'm doing it is I'm trying to do like two or three of these, you know, direct to video ones at the end of his career. And then I'll go back to an early one. And it's like being given a glass of water in the desert to get to a yeah. performance where he's engaged and cares and yeah. it's turning on Bruce Willis, the personality. And it's just like, oh, God, it's so refreshing. Like I went from some of the really, you know, dreck of the Detective Knight trilogy and then I threw on uh, Last Boy Scout. And it was like, oh, how many yes. more of these director video ones do you have to go through? I feel um, like you've been watching them for a while. Fifteen like 15 maybe 10 or 15 yeah 15 more many. are there yeah. any more waiting to be released because i know some of them were like very recently i think they're all out now the right. last one was something called wire room which is on Tubi right now and then of course i still have sitting on my uh, table here the pulp fiction reunion of paradise city with uh john john travolta and bruce is it directed by axel rose no but i wish it was it should be um okay so i mean i'm not gonna it was slash sorry, sorry. go against you two because those are some of the you know two of the best films um in his filmography so i'm gonna use the time to shine a light on a movie that i think gets uh overlooked or you know maybe isn't in the conversation of great m nights which is the village i think the village is terrific love um, the village 
I think that the atmosphere that he creates for the village is outstanding. Um, I think the performances by both Joaquin Phoenix uh, and Bryce Dallas Howard are phenomenal. Bryce Dallas Howard is so damn good in that movie. Yeah. Um, And it was night at a stage in his career after signs and after uh, unbreakable and after the sixth sense where everybody was anticipating a twist and was kind of like, you know, had their arms folded and like, Oh, what's it going to be this time sort of thing. But the story of um, the, the creature coming in from the woods and um, and how it was affecting this community was compelling enough. And then um, Bryce Dallas Howard's character going into the woods to get the medicine for, uh, for this man who she'd fallen in love with is, is such a compelling story. And I was so in on the, the, the romance of that and the, the fear and gri- that it was gripping this community that when you got to the twist, it legitimately floored me. Like I did not yeah, expect me too. the ending of the village at all. And I, and I didn't see that coming at all crapped on it. And I think yeah. it's a really smart twist i thought it, it was a terrific but, okay let me ask you this and, yeah. and, I, and you're talking to someone who i do love this movie but i also have one foot in the camp of thinking that the twist kind of ruin it ruins any rewatchability factor for me i disagree it actually I makes have a hard time rewatching it knowing better. what i know i know oh, what you're I... saying but i'm still all in on the stories of joaquin phoenix sure. and adrian brody and sure. uh uh, Judy Greer and, and Bryce Dallas Howard. Sure. And I guess, OK, I'm I'm going to address a spoiler right here and now. So if you haven't seen The Village, skip forward 60 seconds. Um, I think I went into that movie and probably still do most fascinated with the monster aspect of it. The idea gotcha. that there are monsters out there. Yeah. That's what I loved then. And that's kind of what I I and to this day, I always wish that like the plot was that they thought there weren't monsters, but there because there is a moment where you think like, holy crap, like are there monsters? Yeah. And then when it turns out that there's not, it's just sort of like, I have a hard time. I have a hard time. Jake, it's society. We're the monsters. Sure. Sure. (laughs) Well, as a, as a 14 year old that went and saw that in in theaters opening weekend, that didn't do it for me. Okay. End of spoilers. Okay. Um, I just think it's a great, I think it's a terrific movie. I think it's extremely well-made. I think it, um, Knight doesn't get enough credit. We talked about this in the first movie of of the work he gets from his actors. You guys were just raving about Bruce Willis uh, mm-hmm. and the performances that Knight gets out of him. Um, Tony Collette, obviously getting an Oscar nomination. Uh, Haley Joel Osment, the way that we raved about that. I think Sam Jackson does some of his best work when he's with him. I think um, James McAvoy uh, is incredible yes. in Split yes. and Glass. Deserved and, an Oscar nomination. And, and he's Split. like Knight works so well with actors. He really does. And I just don't think he gets enough credit for that. I think he just he's the twist guy. And there's so many things that he does that I think are outstanding. Um, so The Village, but also, of course, Unbreakable and also, of course, The Sixth Sense. So um, Connor uh brosnahan troy candy and matt caroni went with unbreakable uh savannah sanders said signs ariel pace uh louise anthony went with the village and johan siddler said the sixth sense so thank you everybody for participating yes jacob sean you just mentioned uh your your love of Shyamalan working with actors the very last question we asked him in the interview is because I know you haven't had a chance to listen to it yet. Is you know there are, there are a handful of actors that he's worked with multiple times, including Joaquin Phoenix and Bruce Willis and, and Rupert Grant most recently. And so I asked him who is the the actor he only worked with once that he wants to work with again. Mm-hmm. And he said I was not expecting it. He, Sarah Paulson, who oh, I honestly forgot was in Glass. But I mean she's, she's brilliant in, in everything. But I honestly yeah. forgot she was in Glass. So yeah, hopefully yeah. they get to they get to work together again. Also, M Knight's 
best cameo or most shocking cameo to me is is signs signs because oh my god that's the, con- oh. the concept of that character being pitted up against a tree and being held together by his truck do you john do you remember this i don't remember his cameo in oh. signs but i haven't seen it's, signs in a long time he's it's the one who killed oops. gibson's wife yeah it's a character oh, almost did he yeah, and he drives oh, wow. the truck, and it's ke- and the truck is what's keeping her together against that Ooh. tree. And once they remove the truck, she's gonna die. It's one of the most disturbing. And it's actually a good for like, like, and sometimes like he's it's a cameo for the sake of being a bit. But sure. there's a moment he has a moment with Gibson where like it's an actual this is a, a role and this yeah. is a performance he has to give. Yeah. This is like a shell of a man, and it's also remember he's the guy who has remember like before he drives off the truck, he's like, by the way, father, I've got one like locked up in the kitchen. Or like, like, don't go in the kitchen. There's one locked up in there. And then he peels away. Like, he's the one who has the alien locked up in his house. It's a great, it's a great performance. Oh, I love signs. I love signs. Love signs. What okay, would so you by guys the way, have said if he said it was Mel Gibson that he wanted to re- re-team again with? Would that be strange? It'd be a headline for Cinema Blend. It would be a headline for Cinema Blend, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kevin, what were you saying? M. Night's... Um, cameo in unbreakable split and glass is the same as the character's name is jai oh that's um and according to this website i'll give the credit screen rant they say he first appears in an unnamed character in unbreakable whom david dunn realizes is a drug dealer thanks to his powers of extrasensory perception Um, so he's not the stadium yeah i think i have to go back and watch for next week uh and part of this ties into what we were talking about earlier with um (laughs) rom-coms Sure. You can reach out on Twitter using hashtag movie couple blend. Oh, that's a good one. Well, it's Valentine's Day. We're coming oh. up on Valentine's Day. Yeah, it'll be the, fun for it'll people be the in relationships. But it doesn't have to be a romantic relationship. It could be. Any I, I wanted couple, to point right? that out. Movie couple blend. It just uh, allow that to be as vague as it needs to be. There you go. Uh, Jonah Hill Me and Gabe. Yeah, absolutely. We're probably going to be in a movie at some point. Um, Jonah Hill and uh, Michael Sarah in oh, Superbad. They're like, you know, a great example of the, oh the bromance God. that's like, like, you know, there's love there. Delman and Louise. Um, yeah, there's I mean, a ton fine. of them. So what's your favorite? favorite oh, oh, my God. Oh, my Butch God. Sundance. Doesn't have to be a rom-com. Doesn't have doesn't necessarily have to be a romantic relationship. Um, but yeah. Oh, my whatever, God. Whatever that means. See, now now I'm thinking Bad Boys 2. Oh, it's not a bad choice. Oh, I, I think I no. Oh, my God. I might have mine. All right. So anyway, let us know your pick via email <laughs> at realblend. Oh, my God. Maybe that one. Com. Hey, you know what we haven't read on the show in a really long time is a review. Uh, someone sent us a review. Well, Kevin's mom has been busy. I know yeah. that people are listening to the show and new people have been listening to the show. So if you made it this far, if you're, Podcasts. if you're past the blend game, then you're a real one, as we like to call it. Um, so we have a notification crew that chimes in every Friday morning. But what about reviews, for God's sakes? Write something nice about us, and that way we can read it uh, out loud. You know, a good show. way to get people to write something nice about you is berate them into doing it. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell are you doing with your time? Listen, this is how Where I do you to, have to be? How I choose to talk to our audience. Yeah. They understand that is tough love. This is Old, tough love. Yeah, from, this, is, uh, this is pop pop. pop. This tough love. This is pop pop. The key uh, is so much nicer. Our next premium episode is going to be the IMDb game. Which we haven't played in a long time. It's been a while. And that is always a lot of fun. Uh, check the description below. It to find makes out no sense. More information on how to sign up for premium. In the meantime, follow us on social media where you can see Kevin's interview with uh, M. Night Shyamalan and a lot of other things that we put uh, throughout the week. 
Uh, we are at Jake's Takes, at Kevin McCarthy TV, at Sean underscore O'Connell, at Gabe Kovach, and the show is at Real Blend. We'll be back next this week. This is a really quick dichotomy of like, we often joke about like the difference between Kevin's interviews and my interviews, because Kevin will go like real heavy and deep with these people and like rip their souls out. And then uh, if you go to my Instagram, it's like, hey, Dave Franco and Allison Bree, you want to look at my Bumble profile? <laughs> <laughs> so a, a wide range of interviews you'll find over our social media channels. Exactly. Well, um, Kevin's Bumble profile will be shot on film. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, until That's next week. True. Yeah. Poppenheimer. Hockey pads. Pop, pop, Poppenheimer. Poppenheimer. Pop, Poppenheimer. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.